0: Well, hey there, my name is Chris Rivers. I want to thank you for joining us today. And if this is your first time with us, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast. I'm really glad that you're here. In each episode, I explore leadership strategies that increase your capacity and effectiveness with people. And during each show, I interview thought leaders, hear their leadership stories, and discuss ways to become better problem solvers and people developers. Visit culturebus.cc to access additional tools focused on each episode so you can create forward movement with your team. All right. Well, let's dive into today's show. I have a special guest, Amy Fletcher. Amy, welcome to the Culture Bus Tools podcast.
1: Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, this is going to be fun. Well, Amy, you and I, we get to work together. I see you quite frequently at Grace Church on Pelham Road at our central offices, and I've enjoyed the chance to learn and and just see how you lead in general. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about what you do at Grace and, and how we know each other?
1: Sure. Um, Yeah, well, my title is HR Director, so that can mean a lot of things to different organizations, but at Grace Church, basically my job is to lead a team, and we find, train, and keep talented staff for our church, and that involves obviously a lot of things. Recruiting and hiring, as well as crafting a generous benefits and compensation package is involved in the retaining part of people as well as creating opportunities for development and training. Um, We also provide support and advisement for our managers and staff. So we are involved from start to finish of an employee's life at Grace Church.
0: Yeah. And I feel like even when I came on board, I felt like, Uh, You guys did a really great job helping me get acclimated to the culture of grace. I mean, I'd been involved as a member of our church, but it's a little bit different um, for someone that's a staff member. Would you agree? And are there some differences there?
1: Definitely is. There's some nuances that I think even someone that's been around grace for a long time. um, I always say when I'm talking to somebody and interviewing, it's a little bit like the wizard of Oz where you pull back that curtain And there's nothing really bad or scary behind the curtain, but it might not be, you know, the great and powerful odds that you expected. It's (laughs) actually just a a bunch of people moving in the same direction on mission for this church and for God's kingdom, but it might look a little bit different on the inside. So that's kind of how I prepare people's mind for the difference uh, between being a member and being a staff person.
0: That's right. Yeah. What do you like best about what you do?
1: Oh man, I really love the soft side of HR. So the problem solving the being able to meet with people individually and with teams and kind of discover where their gifts lie and where their passions are and help them go in that direction. I love to be able to give advice to someone that's in a conflict or has tension mm-hmm. and help them kind of solve a problem and be able to approach it in a way that effectively moves it forward and doesn't get everybody stuck or frustrated. So really the Whole soft side of HR, I just love just being able to develop people. It's pretty exciting to me.
0: Yeah. So (laughs) you've been at Grace for a while. I mean, you started to attend Grace right before you came on staff at Grace. Is that correct?
1: I did. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We've been attending for about 15 years and I've been on staff for 10. Yeah. So So I've watched it change and grow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So HR has probably looked different or your role has looked different from then as it is now. I mean, can you give us a little snapshot of the organization itself and how big our staff is and how that's maybe changed over the years, your role in leading HR?
1: Yeah. I mean, 10 years ago, really when I started, I didn't start in HR. I just worked with um, the leadership team, uh, assisting them in whatever way I needed to. Mm -hmm. There were only about 30 staff at that time. HR processes were basically non-existent. I mean, we had a a couple page handbook, I think. Yeah. But about a year or so in, they recognized maybe we need to get a little more serious about some of the processes and, and just the compliance side of HR So I just started to develop that. And then here we are 10 years later, we have 230 staff and I have a team of people helping keep things running smoothly. So that's a little bit how it's changed. I mean, 30 to 230 is a pretty big jump. One campus to 10 campuses. So a lot has changed for sure.
0: Yeah. How do you feel like you've led just helping people get on the same page? and understand what their responsibilities are in the midst of a fast moving, like we got to get stuff done.
1: I think um, my role at Grace as an HR director is so vastly different than what you would find at another place. So in a lot of places, you know, think of the office and Toby, if someone goes and tells Toby something, no one wants to tell Toby anything, right? Because that means there's going to be a problem and we're elevating it to a certain level and, things are going to be documented and written down. Well, all of that is important. I see my role and maybe it's because I'm a member at Grace and I'm a believer and and it's just, I see it differently. I really see my role as an advisor in a lot Mm. of ways. Mm. So that allows people the freedom to come and talk to me and know, I'll tell them right up front. If you tell me something that needs to be taken higher, than me or we need to do some someone needs to know I'm going to tell them. So if you're afraid of that, we probably need to stop the conversation. But if we can solve it and you can move on it and lead in it, that's what I want to happen and that's that's what I that's what my goal is. So I try to be very upfront that it's it's not an automatic, you're telling me this now we're going to elevate it to this big problem. I'm hoping that we can be adults and solve it and I can give them direction and they could go handle it. That happens weekly where yeah. people would just come in. And I feel like over the years, I've been able to create an atmosphere that the HR director doesn't mean that someone's in trouble. It might just mean that I need someone, a third party, someone out of the weeds, not involved to talk to and give me some good objective advice that I can act on.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's the part I really love. And and that's the kind of atmosphere I try to
0: create. Mm, so good. Talk about this advisor role, because I think that's a practical anybody can do that and live that. I'd love to learn a little bit about how you feel Mm -hmm. like I can be a better advisor or what does it look like to be an advisor in an organization and have that kind of mentality? Because I think all the things you said, I really liked.
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, for me, I think it's listening. It's listening before I speak. It's um, trying to see all sides of the issue. Being at Grace for 10 years, I do have the advantage of knowing people. Um, Mm -hmm. and knowing how they operate. So when someone comes to me with a concern, whether it's a concern about a fellow employee or maybe their manager or supervisor, I have some good insight into how that that person works and thinks. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to put myself in a variety of shoes, you know, so it's not just one sided, it's three dimensional. So I think that's the one thing that you have to be objective and see it from all sides and listen very well. Um, And then just kind of talk them through that and ask good questions. And yeah. um, so that's the way I see an advisor role. Not, I'm not trying to solve their problem. I'm trying to get them to think better about it.
0: Mm, that's good. That's good. I like that. Tell me a little bit about some of the challenges and some of the problems that you solve. Leadership exists because problems exist. So that's where we're able to really bring energy. So maybe what is one thing in the last couple of weeks or maybe something that you've just been dealing with as a leader in your role that has been something that you're just trying to change and fix and solve?
1: I think probably the, the big one that I've been working on recently is when we have put, uh, for lack of a better way to put it, um, kind of a square peg in with a bunch of round holes. Huh. So you have put someone in a a team or a campus that um, is very different than everyone else at that campus or that team, and they don't understand each other. So they're just yeah. speaking different languages, they work different, and rather than seeing the advantage of that diversity, it's actually causing division and tension. Yeah. So one thing that I get to do, and I, I use, you know, a, a few different tools, but the most recent tool that I've been using is Predictive Index, which really helps to kind of plot those team members onto mm-hmm. uh, this grid and show them where their strengths are and how that team balances each other. And when you see that visual on a plot, that that person is just more relational, and they're all about collab- collaboration and teamwork. And and the uh, the rest of the team is all about getting something done. Like yeah. we got to put our heads down. We don't have time to talk about it. If they're all like that, then who's caring for the people? Mm-hmm. So. Just being able to show that team that, yeah, that person might go about things a little bit different. Maybe they do talk a little more than they should, or they spend too much time doing this. But at the end of the day, they're balancing your team out so that we can get all the things done. Um, And that's been a really beautiful thing that you can reduce that tension and actually gain appreciation for each other as a team member. So they may not always agree, but at least they can appreciate the diversity That that person brings to their team. So Mm -hmm. I'd say that's one of the problems I've been dealing with recently That's had a good outcome, you know, and at the end of the day, we may find out that that might not be the right person for that team and we have to move them somewhere else. Mm -hmm. But there's still a talented person within grace and we want to keep them. It's just a matter of of finding the right fit. So, Yeah. yeah.
0: So what are some new insights that you've learned even about yourself? I mean, when you start to, you talked earlier about the advisor role that the two things that you, that I wrote down in notes was listening, first listening, and then second, knowing people, like you have the privilege of knowing people. So as you have been plotting these things out, you've been using predictive index, you're getting to know people and you're getting to listen, right? So you're going to do this thing. What have you learned about yourself and getting to know (laughs) more people and know more about so many personalities and the way people think and solve problems? I mean, what's, what's been a new insight you've learned there?
1: Wow, Chris, I have learned so much about myself, probably even in the past five years, but I am a, um, definitely, uh, get it done, put your head down, tasks over people, Um, none of that I'm really overly proud of, but what I've learned about myself is if I really am going to be a good, effective leader, I have to be able to relate to people in a way that, um, they can really see who I am. Um, I, you know, I have to take down my armor. I have to be able to relate to them. I have to care about them genuinely care about their well-being, and not just care about getting a job done. Yeah. So I think that's probably the biggest thing I've had to learn as as Grace has grown and HR has grown and I've had to have a team underneath me that I'm not the only one that can get it done and there's not only one way to do it. Yeah. So being able to delegate and to release some authority is something that I've really had to work on and learn as a leader.
0: Yeah. Well, I know that we have. I mean, we love Jesus, and so that's a benefit that we have. But it's still hard to work in an environment with lots of people, even though you're supposed to love Jesus, you know. Um, But for those for those organizations that don't have a Jesus centrality to what they do, because I mean, I was talking to a guy today. I'm having coffee with a guy this morning, and he works in an organization that is a virtual organization. They got thirty plus employees. They're all over the country, and Jesus is not the central focus of their work. So sure. how, how would you suggest and give us advice as leaders when we're in an environment like that, where we, how do we do that in an environment where Jesus is not the focus?
1: you know, I still think it comes down to vulnerability, regardless of whether what your faith background is, you have to take down your armor of protection. You yeah. know, you um, it's not about avoiding fear, you know, failure, embarrassment. It's about leading through that fear and showing people how mm-hmm. to do that. It's modeling vulnerability, modeling, um, saying an idea that might be a bad idea, you know, yeah. but saying it anyway yeah. um, and building that trust. I just think there are so many ways that we can increase our self-awareness to, so that we can become more vulnerable and build that trust with people so that they feel like this is a place, safe place for me to share ideas. This is a safe place for me to push back on an idea, yeah. even on a leader. So I just think modeling that is, is just such a big thing.
0: Yeah, so good. Well, I wanted to mention, um, and I I know this will kind of move into our leadership tip because we've talked a little bit about this offline, but I did want to mention to our our listeners that I did an episode, episode 10, if you want to go back and listen to that, and we'll put these in the show notes, but I did a whole episode on a tool that I created called the Relational Equity Assessment. And so if you don't have access to the predictive index, and we'll put that in the show notes as well so people know where they could learn more about that. But if you are looking for a tool and a way to be able to plot people on a visual so you can see where people are, I mean, that episode I would highly consider just checking that out. There's some resources that you can download even from that episode. So I wanted to pitch that there. Okay. So we asked our guests to talk about a leadership tip and something that is uh, critical for us as leaders to implement in our day-to-day and why. And so I'd love to just transition to that for a moment here. If you could share with us a leadership tip that you think we need to be thinking through.
1: Yeah. And I, of course, already uh, jumped into it a little bit when I said vulnerability, which really encompasses so many things. And when I say that word, I'm sure everybody has a different idea of what that means. Um, So let me just say what I, what I see that meaning. I think um, the courage to show up as yourself in all your, in all situations. So um, I found myself over the past 10 years being in some leadership meetings that where I was surrounded by mostly men and these men were, were smart and talented and strong Um, and I very quickly became insecure in those meetings and would not share what I was really thinking. Um, and instead I would fall into the trap of groupthink. Mm. Um, I would agree and I would expand on something they already said, but I really wasn't broadening the conversation. I was just affirming what they were saying. Mm. Um, so really what was the point of me being in there? If I'm not going to bring all of myself into a room, into a meeting, into a situation, then I'm probably, well I know for sure I'm not adding all the value I can add because I'm yeah. not bringing all of me. But yeah. then what what use am I am, am I to be there if I'm just going to affirm and confirm everything they're saying. So I mm. think it takes courage to show up as yourself. You're there because of who you are, not because of not because they need clones of themselves. Yeah. Um you need to be willing to be seen and heard even if that means risking failure. Mm. And we just need to be the type of, of leader that can, can model that. So I well, think that's, I, I mean, yeah, I could the, probably expand more and I don't know how much you want me to say, but yeah. I think that's the big idea.
0: Well, I, I've written. A, I do want you to expand some more, and I, I want to tell listeners right now that the last I would pause the podcast, and I would listen back to the last minute and a half of what Amy just said. So, basically, just to repeat, you you said that vulnerability was the courage to show up as yourself in all situations. I think that is a really great definition. So let's double tap on that a little bit. I mean, what does that mean for me practically um, when I am meeting with other people when I am in a leadership situation? I mean, what does that look like practically?
1: Well, I think I want to back up first and say, you have to know yourself to be able to show up as yourself. So there are tons, the tool you mentioned, um, there, there are tons of tools people use. I mean, you can throw all the names and everyone has one that they like, but you really have to get to who you are. Who are you as a leader? Where are your strengths? Where are your gifts? And that comes through assessments, asking people, not being afraid to ask people what they really thought of how you ran that meeting. Mm -hmm. How did that really go? Did I communicate clearly? Have two or three questions that you ask two or three people that you know will tell you the truth and not just the ones that will affirm everything that you want to believe about yourself. So I do think it's really pursuing good feedback. Mm. Um, so that you know who you're showing up and who you should be or who you are. Yeah. yeah. And you, so your question was, what does that look like practically? Yes. I think, again, it is share, being willing to share your ideas, mm. voice your opinions, go against maybe, not to go against it, just to go against it. But if you don't agree with something that's being said, um, being able to ask follow-up questions, like, I'm not sure I'm clear on that. You yeah. know, and, and doing that in a way that can help direct the conversation and broaden the thinking um, of the person you're across from or the group you're within.
0: Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. Just, I've, I had a a really wise man tell me one time, he's like, if you don't understand something and you just, you need more clarity. So just say, tell me more about that. Tell me more about that. And can you just tell me a little bit more about that, that, that helps. Just being willing to ask people for feedback. I, I know for me personally has helped me a ton. And then, just be okay and willing to get whatever feedback that is, you know, like, okay, right. all right, just listen, like, don't be so defensive. So that's good. Right. So, so you started, you started to learn some of this, you're, you're in meetings with these kind of big alpha male type <laughs> men, and you're in these rooms. When did you first start to realize that you needed to have this competency of vulnerability? <laughs> I wish it was early on. Yeah. It
1: took me a lot, a lot of years and a lot of missteps. And I think just some self reflection of, uh, what, what value did you add to that meeting? And not that you always have to add value, right? But when I, when I left, I'm like, what, what did you bring that someone else didn't already bring? When I started asking myself those questions and then even asking the men in the room, what, is, what are you, why am I, why am I here? Yeah. You know, what, what do I bring that someone else might not bring? And then really listening to what they say and then the next time trying to practice that trying to step out and and make myself a little more vulnerable and have an idea and chris you know i'm not going to lie i have been shot down many many times so having a thick skin while you're working through that is really important because just because your idea is bad doesn't mean you're bad
0: yeah. doesn't
1: mean you're not smart just because the idea didn't fit or your comment didn't make sense or you didn't understand what they were talking about yeah. That happens to all of us. Yeah. Um, so just not internalizing that, that that equals I'm a bad leader or I don't belong here. Really controlling that your internal dialogue is, is an important piece too, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, I know that, that the Lord has done a great work in us and has given us the Sabbath. You know, you think about, God asks us to rest. He asks us to work six days and rest a day, you know, which was, which to me, that's all about reflecting and not focusing so much on work all the time. So there's a, there's a spiritual component to that. I mean, we could double tap on that more, but what does reflection look like for you? Cause that was one of the things you said, you said, one, you need to know yourself and you need to, you need to pursue feedback. So, but then you said something else about being the, being willing to to have self-reflection. So what does that look like for you? Do you do this regularly? Is this something you do quarterly? Like what does self-reflection actually look like for Amy Fletcher?
1: Yeah, and I don't have it on my calendar, right? Where I'm doing this every day or every week or, um, but I am, um, I, I'm more of an introverted personality. Yeah. So I have to spend time every week at some point you know, I don't, whatever day that is, a lot of times for me, it it is Friday mornings where I I journal a lot, I read a lot, I keep notes on things that I think throughout the week. And then I go back and reflect on those. So if something if I'm in a a meeting or a conversation or something hits me, I just I have a way of a notepad that I just write all those things down, because I'm really, you know, busy during the week, like we all are. I may not have time to think through why that thought came into my head. It could be good and it could be bad. Um, But what I'll do is I'll take time, usually twice a month where I sit down and I read over some of those notes and I discard those that aren't helpful to me. Like that, that doesn't, I'm not sure why I thought that I did, but I'm going to just go ahead and throw that in the trash now because that's not helpful for me to move forward. Um, But things that do feel like they're helpful, whether they're positive or negative, I'll, I'll think about them. And for me, obviously, because of my faith, I'll pray about them and make sure that from God, something that God wants me to be hearing. And it's not something that I have just created myself and um, trying to prop myself up or even uh, knock myself down, you know, either way. So I do just make sure I'm intentional to capture what's going on in my head and not just let it run rampant because I do have a lot of thoughts um, and I'm, and without, some kind of direction, um, I think those could just run wild and send me into good places and probably bad places as well. So just capturing what I'm thinking and reflecting on that is a big part of something that I do. And I have, you know, a couple people that I can be honest with, and I can just tell them exactly what I'm thinking and feeling. And I know that they'll tell me the truth. Um, So I think having that community of people, at least one person, but preferably a couple that you can go to to give you real honest, wow, that's, that's poor thinking, you know, or okay, there's some truth in that. We need to dig in there, but someone that'll tell you the truth.
0: Yeah. This past year, Uh, David Delk, our executive pastor at Grace, he shared with me a resource that I felt was incredibly helpful. He called it the Great Annual Exam. You do it at the end of the year and you write down some things that were the most important events that have happened to you or in you that past year. And it helps you focus on physical, relational, vocational, and spiritual ideas. So, you know, it helps mm-hmm. you think through the greatest struggle. It'll help you think about what's consumed your thinking and your attention and focus. There's actually been a question in there about where you felt the most vulnerable and, and where you've most experienced the presence of God that year. So it's, re- I mean, I could go on and on. It's got a, it's a really great thing. But one of the things I did this year to kind of this idea that you're talking about is I, you're going to laugh at me. I our list, Listeners might laugh at me. I took some of these ideas, I made a Google form and I just have it in my calendar so every Wednesday I take this. And it's just a series of questions that I'm taking that are helping me evaluate those five categories of my life. So after you kind of wrestle through all these ideas and you kind of cult- cultivate some ideas, it gives you another section where it's like, okay, well what do you want to do this year in those ideas. So what I've done is just to try to start curating some of that stuff each week and at the end of the year my goal is to get away for a day and to just read everything that I've put so I think that might even be practical yeah. for some of our listeners that what you're talking about when you talk about being vulnerable which I think is very is a very practical principle that we can implement in our life that that that's one way we can know ourselves which you talked about that in the first part um, and it doesn't have to do with an assessment it's just writing some things down about who and right. realizing, and then pausing for feedback, getting feedback from other leaders, and then um, and then self-reflecting. So I think that that is really helpful, and I think is something that I would like to continue to wrestle through, this idea of the courage to show up as yourself in all situations, which I think will help me do that, and I think it has helped me do that. So, man, that's really yeah. good, Amy. I really appreciate you and just your wisdom here. Is there anything else encouraging that you would want to share about this? leadership tip or just anything encouraging in general that you'd want to share before we land the plane here?
1: Uh, well, first of all, I love your idea, the more disciplined approach to some of the things I'm saying, I would say yeah. that's probably something I can work on is um, adding some discipline into some of the things I'm already doing. Yeah. But you know, I just think the encouraging part for me is that we're all here. We're all in this together and yeah. we're all here to support each other and learn from each other. And I think you doing this podcast and, even some of the things that I get to do at work and with other people that I work with, it's just being there and supporting and being honest and open with each other and being for other people. You know, if we can really be for and want them to win, um, what a great gift we're giving each other.
0: That's right. Well, I love it. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate you.
1: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate the time.
0: Well, as we finish today's episode, I want to thank you for joining us. After thinking through my conversation with Amy Fletcher, I thought it might be helpful to create a three-part video resource that could help us advance what we learned. Amy mentioned that vulnerability is the courage to show up as yourself in all situations and that you have to know yourself to be able to show up as yourself. In the video training, I present you an overview of the Great Annual Examine, which is a yearly evaluation tool developed by Stephen Smith. In the first video training, I give you an overview of the tools and the processes that will help you demonstrate the principles of vulnerability. In the second video, I give you an overview of the Great Annual Examine and the five major categories that help you uncover deep truths about yourself. In the third video training, I give you some practical steps on how to activate what you discover about yourself. I help you design a digital weekly reflecting guide that you can use to help curate new learnings about yourself in preparation for the coming year. With 52 weeks of learnings, you will be that much more ready to complete the great annual exam again, or for the first time. These tools have helped me in more ways than I can count and given me the courage to show up as myself in all situations. And I've got to say, I think if you work through the video series, you'll find it a great way to create forward movement in your personal development journey, as well as you could do it with a team to challenge each other to grow too. If you're interested in accessing the video series, email me at hello at culturebus.cc or check out the show notes for more information. And if you like what you're hearing on the podcast, I would love your help in getting the word out. You can do that by subscribing to your favorite podcasting platform, giving us a review and telling others about the show. All right. I'll see you next time on the Culture Bus Tools podcast.